Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. How many of us took the advice in that video and, and took a deep breath? Took a deep breath in and let some joy in. <gasps> Whew, we're going to let the stress out today. It's Thanksgiving week. Come on, deep breath. <gasps> Whew, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. They're coming. They're all coming this week. We're going. They're coming. We're going to get on the road. They're going to get on the road. You got to get started now if you're going to get all those fixings done. You got to start cutting up that pineapple for the pineapple casserole. How many of you guys have a pineapple casserole on Thanksgiving? That is the weirdest Southern tradition. It is, it is pineapple. If you don't know what it is, you're missing out, all right? And so we got to get started now because there's a lot of food to do. I don't know how, I've talked to a lot of people this week uh, who have told me, you know what, for Thanksgiving this year, we're just doing, we're doing salads, we're doing steaks, we're doing potatoes, we're not doing the whole nine yards because it's a better meal and it takes a lot less time to cook. I don't know about that, but uh, I'm looking forward to about a 17 course meal at my mama's house this weekend. I can't stop thinking about it. So uh, now, now before I get into talking about stress, we're going to talk about, it's Thanksgiving week, and so we're going to talk about relationship stress and people stress and family stress today. But before we do, I want to let you know that in just two weeks, we'll be taking up our legacy offering at the Gathering Church. Now, the legacy offering is our year-end giving initiative, and our, our goal is, is to leave a lasting legacy, not just here in the city of Asheville, but an eternal legacy uh, in the hearts of as many people as we can. And so uh, we want to give high impact uh, to a few specific areas through that offering, and we've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks. And uh, we talked about church planning as an area we want to give a high-impact gift to. We were able to give $40,000 to church planning last year. Uh, we believe in it. We, we, we support it. We think the local church is the hope of the world. We want as many life-giving churches in as many cities as we can possibly be a part of. And so our goal this year is to give more than $50,000 to church planning. Uh, we talked about the gathering church being one of those legacy lanes, that we are uh, not planning on being a portable church forever. Uh, that, that we want to start now uh, creating an exploration fund to start feeding uh, responsibly so that we can begin to start looking for a permanent home for the gathering church. And today I want to share with you our third legacy lane, and that is just local missions. We, we believe uh, in partnering with local charities that are already creating a large impact here in our city. And instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, that there is wisdom in us coming alongside those who are day in and day out doing everything that they can to make this region a better place. And so this year we'll be partnering with Elida Home, which is a, a, does an amazing, amazing amazing work for our, our uh, kids in our community and uh, foster care and all of the things that we are passionate about here at the gathering. And then the other is Mana Food Bank, which uh, feeds uh, thousands and thousands of families across Western North Carolina. And so we want to be able to partner with them in some high impact ways this year. Uh, and then next week, I'll talk about our final legacy lane, which is international uh, missions. Well, today we're talking about relationship Stress. Here is uh, one of the things about holiday seasons. Is uh, one of the great things about holiday seasons is they bring us all together. One of the worst things about holiday seasons is they bring us all together. We're going to talk about some stressful relationships. How many of you have people in your life that stress you out? By a show of hands. How many people have people? In, now everybody point at somebody who stresses. No, don't do it. I'm kidding. Don't do that. 
Don't do that. Somebody just learned something new. <laughs> what? What? Did you point at me? <laughs> We're going to talk about stressful relationships. See, I think people have a tendency to stress us out. Relationships can be stressful. Let me tell you what I'm not going to talk about exclusively today. I think a lot of times when you say you're going to talk about relationships at church, everybody thinks we're going to talk about marriage and we're going to talk about marriage only. And all the people who aren't married think, oh great, here we go. Well, we're going to talk today, I say, more about those relationships outside of our marriage. I think everything we talk about will apply inside of your marriage, but more about those relationships outside. And if, if your marriage is your primary area of stress in your life, uh, in two weeks we start a new series called Scotch Tape, uh, and we're first, our first message in that series is going to be all about our uh, marriage relationships and the way we try to heal deep wounds with scotch tape. And so uh, come back for that. But today I'm going to talk about the other kinds of relationships in our life. Friendships, family, work relationships, people that you don't consider friends, but that consider you their friends that cause us stress for so many different reasons, way too many for us to talk about in only 30 minutes. Uh, people can cause us stress. And, and, uh, and I think for me, a lot of times the solution I've thought would be great would be to buy an island somewhere and, and destroy all bridges to this island and put mines in the water around the island and get one of those airstrike cannons from the movies that leaves the black clouds everywhere and make sure that not a single person can ever get near me again. And if I can succeed in that goal, I will eliminate all relationship stress from my life. We think maybe, maybe I think maybe I can I can just cut relationships out and have as few people around me as possible, and maybe maybe then I won't be so stressed. But we can't do that because we're wired for relationships. We are made to be in relationship with other people. I believe we have these two deep needs inside of our hearts that you have two deep relationship needs, two gaps that you're always trying to fill, and that first gap is for a relationship with Jesus a relationship with the one who created us, with the one who made us. We have a need inside of us. It's why people seek uh, uh, spiritual answers. It's why we ask these big questions. We try to fill that gap with everything that we can think of before we come into a relationship with Jesus. But it can only be filled by him. It can only be made complete by him. And the other gap that we have is a need for relationship with others. In fact, even Adam in the garden, still had a gap, had a need for relationship, even though he was walking physically with God every single day. I think that relationship need isn't only met in romantic relationships. I think that is our need to have people in our lives. The Bible talks about how the church is a body, that we all have different giftings and, and different personalities and, and different visions for our lives, but that we all need each other in order to find freedom and be whole and accomplish what we were put here to accomplish. We need relationships. We need people. But they still stress us out sometimes. And I think that happens for a variety of different reasons. I want to talk about a couple this morning. I think people can stress us out when we let the wrong things into our relationships with people, when we let the wrong things too close. Let me start by saying that at some point, every single person is going to need to find freedom from things that they say and do and think that are toxic. We are broken people living in a broken world, and this, this is the result. If you say that you're not going to let anybody into your life that does things that affect you negatively, 
you are going to have nobody in your life. Simply knowing people who have some negative behaviors is not what brings us stress. What brings us stress is when we let those people too close and we let those behaviors into our hearts, our homes, and our lives. In Proverbs, he gives all of these different examples of the kind of people that we shouldn't let too close to us. Let me work my way through this list, see if any of these sound familiar. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 9, it says, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Do you have somebody in your life who brings you stress? Because no matter what you say, they disagree, discredit, and disregard you in front of you and others. Very few things can bring as much stress into our lives as somebody who steps on every single word out of our mouths. Proverbs 14, 7 says, stay away from a fool for you will not find knowledge on their lips. I think people stress us out when we allow the wrong people to speak into our lives, when we allow the wrong people to give us advice. In the book of Job, uh, the title character loses everything, his home, his wealth, his children, his wife, and then his three knucklehead friends show up, and they all just start giving him the absolute worst advice. They start giving him all these reasons why this happened, which are hurtful and ignorant. They start saying all these things, and Job just allows them to for a long period of time, and it causes him anger and anxiety, stress and depression. When we let the wrong people speak into our lives, it causes us stress. Proverbs 14.8 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. In other words, wise people make a plan and a strategy to get to a good place in life, and fools manipulate their way there. When we let people into our lives who are using us and manipulating us for their own gain, we allow stress into our lives. Verse 9 of chapter 14 says, Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. When we allow people into our lives and close to our hearts who spark bitterness instead of seeking repentance or reconciliation, who, who fuel anger inside of us and division in our relationships instead of trying to push us towards compassion and grace, we bring stress into our lives. I think too often we let the wrong people too close and these behaviors and many more affect us in ways that are toxic. I think next, relationships stress us out when our expectations become unrealistic. When our expectations for other people are unrealistic, it causes us stress. When we expect people to think and to talk, and to act, and to respond the way that we do, it causes us stress. I think here's what this looks like. Here's an example from my house. Let's say I were to tell you I'm going to go do yard work. And you say, okay, thanks. Now, maybe to you, that means to cut the grass, rake the leaves, trim the bushes, pull the weeds, sweep the sidewalk, edge by the road. But to me, it means to cut the grass. And so I go and do the yard work according to me, but to you, this creates a lot of frustration, expectations that have not been met. Let's take it to the workplace. Let's say 
that I, I tell you I'm going to straighten up before I leave work. And to me, to you, that means sweep the office, straighten up the desk, take out the trash, clean up the coffee station, replace all of the toiletries, get everything looking great. But to me, that means I'm going to take a quick glance around and make sure there's no trash on the floor. Expectations not being met leads to stress in our lives, especially when they're me expecting you to think and act and behave and respond the way that I would. One word, two people, two different meanings. One word, two people, two different meanings. I think this relationship will cause us stress if we get mad because what yard work means to you is different than what it means to me. And we think this isn't a misunderstanding. This isn't, this isn't us not having communicated. This is me being right and you being wrong. How about this one? What happens if we say, I'm going to do the dishes? And in our mind, we mean we're going to wash the dishes. But to you, we're going to wash the dishes and put the dishes away. Are you with me? We see where the, the gap happens, and in between there is a whole lot of stress. And instead of trying to solve problems or, or communicate expectations, we just let this stress build and build and build until we get really tired of all the people that we have in our lives. How about when a major life event happens in somebody else's life, and they don't make the choice that we think they should? Or when people make mistakes in our close relationships, big mistakes, but we, we don't understand and we don't try to understand what got them there in the first place. We just judge them for it. When Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? This is what he was talking about. When we're constantly looking at the things others are doing wrong, instead of trying to understand the why. And finally, I think stress comes into our relationships when we try to control others. Have you ever thought to yourself, people would be a lot less stressful to me if they would just do what I want them to do? Have you ever acted on that thought? Tried to lead people down the path you believe would be best for them by any means necessary? Let's, let's, let's make some better decisions for you today. Let's... Let's try, to, let's try to change behavior today. Maybe you haven't overtly thought that, but maybe that's how we've acted. We've given people advice in hard seasons, and then we've carried a lot of stress on whether or not they would act on that advice, whether or not they'd do what we think was the best thing for them. Maybe when your friends are going through things, you work to get them to the outcome that you think is best for them and carry stress if it doesn't work out. Maybe it's in your romantic relationships. Maybe you have a vision for who your spouse could and should be. And you're willing to do everything inside your power and outside your power to make that vision come true. And that's going to cause a lot of stress for them and a lot of stress for you. Maybe it's at work. You want the people who work for you to think the way that you do, but instead of leading them, you force them. And it causes stress for you and stress for them. Maybe it's in your family. Your children are 30 years old, but you still want to be the ones making decisions for them. And when they don't listen, it brings you a lot of stress. I think these reasons and so many more are why stress can be so 
Our relationships and people can be so stressful for us. When we, when we do all of these things together, it creates this perfect storm where every relationship in our lives that we wish was bringing us life is now causing us pain and stress and anxiety, and it's, it's making us feel more and more alone the more we are around these people. We need relationships. We have to have them. We have to have people around us. You have to allow people to get close to you. You have to choose to engage in relationship with people. It's important to engage in relationship with our families, with, with our coworkers, with the people in our lives. But if we don't do the right things to protect those relationships and keep them healthy, then we are going to have more stress than we need out of those relationships. And so what I want to talk about is just a, a couple things, and it's just honestly the tip of the iceberg. These are simple things to say and very difficult things to do, like a lot of stuff. And if we can just start to embark on a journey of treating our relationships this way, then I believe that we can not just begin to uh, enjoy community and people a little bit more, but that we'll find that we can thrive in relationship, that relationships can fuel us and build us up and encourage us and make us feel a little bit better, a little bit more whole, that can give us the right path to take if, uh, if we could just uh, adjust the way that we view them just a little bit. And so just a couple things. First, I think in our relationships, we need to create boundaries. I think we need to create boundaries. And I'm going to talk about this one for a long time and the other two for a short time. So don't get panicked if it's almost lunchtime when I finish this one. Because we really need to create some boundaries. Jesus had boundaries. In fact, we see that Jesus had boundaries throughout his ministry. There were 72 disciples. Now, I know maybe you're thinking, no, there were 12. I've seen the painting. I've seen the evidence there's 12 of them. The Bible says there were 72 disciples that Jesus had. And Luke chapter 10 specifically mentions them. And Jesus had these 72 disciples that he was with and in community with, that he invested in, that he poured into, that had time with him, that he, he spent time with. But he had 12 who had access to him. That's a boundary. He had 12 men that he allowed to get close, that he welcomed into his home, that knew where to find him, that knew how to get a hold of him on days when it was hard, that, that were able to ask him questions that the others weren't. And then out of those 12 men, he had another three who got to see who he really was. That's another boundary. He had 72 he was in community with, 12 who had access, and three who had access to his heart. I think we can learn from the way Jesus created boundaries in relationships. I think we need boundaries, boundaries. Being selective about who you allow to get close to you isn't being bad at community or a bad friend. It's using wisdom. Passages like Proverbs chapter 22, 24, on top of all the other Proverbs that I shared just a minute ago, encourage us to make these kinds of boundaries. It says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who's easily angered. Create a boundary. Now, based on what Jesus taught us about showing love to people, even our enemies, and making disciples of people, we know that there is still an imperative to help people find freedom and to allow them a seat at the table. But that does not mean we cannot create clear boundaries for people 
And it does not mean that we need to let people that are harmful in these ways have access to our hearts. We need to create some boundaries. And we do it for a variety of reasons. There's a a variety of reasons that we don't create boundaries. I think sometimes we have rescue syndrome. We care about people. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're developing his heart of compassion and love for people. And a lot of times, I think, or, or, or sometimes what can happen is our genuine compassion and desire to help others de- turns into a desire to save people from their consequences. So we keep getting completely involved in somebody's mess. Maybe it's a family member, a close friend. And we keep opening up our homes and our hearts, and we keep getting taken advantage of. And we keep getting stepped on over and over and over again. And I think it's okay to begin to set up some boundaries. The Bible says in Galatians chapter six, verse seven, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature for that nature, from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the spirit from that spirit will reap eternal life. I think a lot of times we think, because we're following Jesus and we're called to love people, that we're also called to do everything we can to remove them from the consequences of their actions. But I don't see that behavior even in the Spirit of God. God forgives our mistakes and shows us compassion and grace and love in the same way we're meant to do that for others. But he does not remove us from our consequences. We experience our consequences And if we are wise, we learn from them and begin to sow to please the Spirit instead. If we keep rescuing people, we will not only feed those behaviors, but we'll also bring all this unnecessary stress into our lives. I think we need to step into people's mess. This is not an excuse to say, oh, I'm not getting involved in your mess. Pastor said I can have boundaries. We need to step into people's messes. That's what the church does. That's what community does. That's what we all need sometimes. And it's okay to offer hope and healing and compassion in those seasons. But when it's consistently taken advantage of, it might be time to create a boundary. I love you. I will care for you. I want the best for you. But I cannot continue to provide for you. I love you. I care for you. I want freedom for you. I can walk you through the scripture. I can get you in a community that will give you every resource you need to find freedom. But I cannot continue to excuse you for the way that you've treated me. See, I think sometimes we're afraid to draw boundaries because we get all caught up in the what ifs. Well, what if they get angry? What if they're hurt by it? What if they, what if they don't like it? What if they fight me on it? What if they argue with me about it? What if... What if, what if, what if? I think it's important that we understand the difference between hurt and harm. There's a difference between hurt and harm. Something is wrong with my body. A surgeon that does surgery on me is going to hurt me. They are going to hurt me, but they are not going to harm me. So the difference is harm is intentional. It does intentional ill will to somebody else. Hurt can have a purpose of redemption. Hurt can have a purpose of healing. And so if I were to say to somebody ahead of Thanksgiving, I really love you and I want you to be in my life, but I need to set up a boundary before you come into my home. 
that, that your response in anger cannot come into my home. Your toxic anger cannot be a part of our Thanksgiving dinner. I've got to create a boundary. Proverbs 27, 6 says, the wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You don't want people around you who only compliment you. You need people around you who are willing to set a boundary if you are doing something that is toxic. Because sometimes that hurt that that boundary brings can be a wake-up call for us to start to change and adjust and find freedom from something that we, maybe we didn't know we needed freedom from or that we've known for a long time but haven't had a reason to change because people kept allowing it. It's okay to have a boundary. In fact, I think if we want to be healthy and we don't want as much stress in our lives, we need boundaries. Don't just tolerate somebody's hurtfulness because they are family or because you think you have to. Setting a boundary may hurt them, but it may also help them. Do it with grace. Do it with love. Do it with kindness. But set a boundary. Let me just try to make this one a little bit more clear before we move on, because boundaries are so big. I want to separate it into two categories. The, the first is a relational boundary. Sometimes we have to set relational boundaries. We have to be selective about who we allow to get close to us, who gets total access to my heart. There are people in my life who have complete and total access to my heart. They know everything about me. They know every mistake I make. They know the things I'm trying to get better. They know how I'm really doing beyond the, hey, brother, how you doing? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? They get the real answer. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm falling apart. They get the real answer. And it's a small group of people. It's three people. And then there are people in my life who I allow to have get close to me, who I'm friends with, who I care about, who get a little bit more, but not everything. They're on a boundary. And then there are people in my life that I care about and want to invest in and want to do everything that I can to lift them up and, and to, to offer anything that I can and, and that I learn from and that offer to me as well, but they don't get total access to my heart. They've got a boundary. Relational boundaries are healthy. I think the people that we allow total access to our hearts need to be people who lift us up spiritually and emotionally. No friend is going to do that all the time, but find somebody that does that most of the time. Proverbs 14 talks about, uh, gives this long list about people who give loud, wrong advice, people who manipulate, people who influence bitterness, people who are easily angry. And I think these are all good examples of the kind of people you need a relational boundary from that you don't need to allow all the way into your heart, that you don't need to allow total access to you, that it's okay if they've got your email and not your phone number. Do you feel me? It's, it's okay if, if, they, if they're blocked on the direct messages to your Instagram account. It's okay if they're in the large family gathering, but you're not inviting them into the, the one that comes after, the small one in your home. I think it's okay to set these boundaries and not allow these people easy access to our lives. I think they need Jesus, and they need freedom, and they need, uh, they need uh, the ability to receive compassion and grace so that they can find freedom and change. And, and when they're ready for it, we have a place for that. There is a freedom group for that. There is people for that. We can help point them in that direction. We can offer care and compassion and guidance in that. But they do not need access to my heart 
Be like Jesus. Have a larger community that you are a part of, that you contribute to, that contributes to you. Have a smaller community of people who are good for you, that you find freedom with and live in community with. And then have an even smaller group who are life-giving to you and who get full access to your life and choose wisely. And the second kind of boundary is a behavioral boundary. See, you may have people in your life, like family members, who are toxic, but you do not want to remove them entirely from your life. Maybe you can't. I would have a conversation with them to have a clear behavioral boundary. Make sure it is filled with kindness and love and compassion. I love you and I want you to be in my children's, my children's lives. I want you to be here this holiday. I want you to be around every holiday. But your toxic political conversations cannot come to my table. I'm going to set a boundary. We need to leave it in the garage. I love you and I want you to be in my life and I want you to be around me and I want you to be in my children's lives, but your language and your foul language cannot come into my home. I need to set a boundary. I need you to leave that behavior outside. I care about you and I want the best for you, but I do not want you to bring that hurtful attitude into my house. Set some clear behavioral boundaries. This can be tricky and it can be hard and it's not an excuse to be mean to people. We have to be kind and careful and considerate and gracious, but it is okay to set these behavioral boundaries in your lives. I had a coworker, and this was not at the gathering church. This was in the Coast Guard, and he was toxic. He was mean. He was mean-spirited. Every word that he said was to tear me down, and it was just the way that he related to people. You ever have a friend or friend who the only way they know how to communicate with you is to break you down? And they just, I'm just messing with you. It's how, it's how you know I like you. It's how mean I am to you. And you're like, it feels great to be loved. You know, <laughs> I had a friend like that, a coworker like that. And I set a behavioral boundary with him. I took him out to lunch one day. I said, hey man, let me buy you lunch. And he said, all right, man. Wow, that's great. And he did not know what was coming. And I took him out to the In-N-Out Burger and I set him down. And I said, come on somebody, the In-N-Out. Please, Jesus, bring it out here. And so... <laughs> Jesus, come now. Heaven's going to be filled with the end. Anyways, we sit down and I say, hey, man, I want you to know that I care about you and that I think you're great at your job and that I trust you and I trust you in this workplace. But I, but, but I need you to know that your behavior of constantly breaking me down and others down, that the way that you communicate with me, that the way that you talk to me, that the hurtful words that you use can't be in our workplace any longer. I can't continue to operate like this and I need to set a boundary with you. And we walked out of that, con it was tense and uncomfortable. It's not a fun thing to tell somebody that they're gonna have to check their behavior at the door. But we walked out of that conversation and are still friends to this day. We had the best working relationship out of anyone else I had in that workplace. He calls me still, I care about him. We take care of each other, took care of each other. And I believe he became a better person because some boundaries were set and a little bit of hurt was done. Are you with me? We need to set some boundaries. Second thing, after we've set some boundaries, oh, uh, here's a great resource on this. If you want some more help with boundaries and you're intrigued on the whole idea and you're terrified and intimidated, there is a book uh, about boundaries and it's called Boundaries. It's easy to remember. That's the whole title, Boundaries. It's by Dr. Henry Cloud. Dr. Henry 
cloud. And, and a lot of this came from him. And he actually has a book as well called Children's Boundaries, because we need to set some boundaries with our kids. We need to be like, listen, that toxic behavior cannot come to my dinner table. I'm just kidding. That does not work. <laughs> you can't do, you can't. I don't know. Honestly, it's a great book. I've tried. The boundaries are hard to set with kids. Actually, it's more about, it's more, it's now I've discredited it. It's a great book, and it's more about the boundaries that we set with our kids that help us than them. Uh, so boundaries by Henry Cloud. Second thing is influence over control. Influence over control. This will get some stress out of our relationships if we learn to practice influence over control. So much of my relationship stress is because somewhere deep down inside, I have thought that it is my job to control the people around me, to, be, to make decisions for them, to find purpose for them, to think for them. And when they don't do what I want them to do, I get very upset about it. That is a true thing about me. I don't know why. It's just wired in me somehow. And if you're like me, let me release you a little bit this morning. I have this mantra. I brought it up uh, in a message earlier this year. And I'm just telling you, if you can get this in your head, it will change your life. Everybody say this with me. It's on the whiteboard. Say it with me. Never mind. I will exercise control over whom I have control and influence over whom I do not. One more time. I will exercise control over whom I have control and influence over whom I do not. I just controlled every one of you. It feels good. I needed that. I will exercise control over who I have control and influence who I do not. Now, that is an important thing to understand, but you got to know this second part. Guess who you have control over? Who do you have control over? Only one person, and they met you in the mirror this morning. Just you. You can control nobody else in this life except for yourself. You will have a lot less stress when you can let that sink into your heart. You don't have control over your spouse. You, don't have, you definitely don't have control over your children. You don't have control over your coworkers, your friends, your family members. It is not your responsibility, nor is it your ability to control them. You have influence in which you should use. You should use your influence, your wisdom, the way the Holy Spirit has gifted you to help people. You should influence your children for certain. They are the people maybe of strongest influence in your life. You should influence your spouse. My wife influences me and makes me a better person all the time. But she would not be helping me if she were trying to control me. I will use control where I have it, and that is on me. And I will use influence everywhere else. Influence over control. Honestly, this is a prideful thing. It goes back to something we talked about a couple weeks ago in our message on the weight that life brings. We think that it's our job to carry people's burdens for them. And so we, we want to control people because we just believe, I just believe that I know what's best for them. I just believe I've got the best path forward for you and I'm going to carry the burden of whether or not you follow it. I'm going to shoulder it and have stress from it and be anxi have anxiety over it and be sick from it because I want the very best for you. And trust me, I know what that is. It's a very prideful belief. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Instead of trying to control people, I need to spend more time trusting God with them. Praying for people. Using my influence, not just in conversation, but the influence I have in my prayer closet. Praying for the people that I want the best for instead of trying to affect their outcome. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I noticed that what the passage doesn't say is, Therefore, confess your sins to one another so you can fix one another. That's not what it says. No, it says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so you can be healed. The healing comes from him. What happens next is in his hands. I'll confess to my sins to my friend and not expect that he would fix those for me, but that he would pray for me, that I could be free together, that we could find freedom. There's such a big difference. I think we just take this huge responsibility on ourselves to control people's outcomes. And even if we, that sounds so extreme. Well, I'm not a, that, that sounds like abuse. I'm not abusive. I'm not trying to control people like that. But in the reality, we have all this stress because we want people to do what we want them to do. And what would it look like if instead of saying, oh, man, I get so frustrated that they didn't do that thing or, or that they, they did that other thing that, that I didn't want them to do or they didn't do that thing that I did want. What if we just said, it's not my, it's not my responsibility. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm going to pray that this, this decision, even if it's not the one that I made, would, would honor and bless them, that they would have the best, they would have freedom from it, they would have peace from it, that God would bless it and put favor on it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them over this. And don't just pray, God, make them do what I told them to do. That's cheating. That's cheating. Invite God's will into it. Let the Holy Spirit use you as an influence to help others to find freedom and be more like Jesus. But don't let stress into your relationship by trying to control them. Just as God gave us free will and uses his spirit to influence us and not control us, in our relationships, we can exercise influence without feeling any responsibility to control. The decisions that people make are theirs. A man reaps what he sows. If he sows destruction, he'll reap destruction. If he sows life, he'll reap life. Let's let them make those decisions. And then finally, we need to show people some more grace. We will let some stress out of our relationships when we can learn to show people as much grace as we've been shown. And we've talked about boundaries. And it's very important that these things go together. Very important that grace exists with these boundaries that we're setting. Because without them, it can be a spiteful thing. We need grace. We need to learn to show people more grace. We need, we need to show people as much grace as Jesus has shown us. And I think it starts in our words. Somebody who you're always talking about why they stress you out is going to always stress you out. James chapter 3, verse 10 says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. If you have a stressful family member and every time you get together with other family members, all you do is talk about how stressful that one family member is, they will always be stressful. But if we can begin to speak life, to speak honor, to speak blessing over them, we'll get the stress out of our hearts by getting it out of our mouths. Speak life and honor, words of grace. And I know it's hard. I'm sure it's hard for God to show grace to me. All my mistakes and bad decisions and doing the wrong things, and yet God shows up and shows me grace every single day through His Son, Jesus. I don't deserve His grace, but He gives it to me anyways. If He can do it for me, I can do it for others. In Romans chapter 14, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? 
for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. In other words, it is not my responsibility to judge the actions of others. It is not my responsibility to judge the behaviors of others. If they're hurting me, I'll create a boundary between me and them, but I am not here to judge them, to judge the choices they've made, the decisions they've made. It's not my responsibility. I'm just here to show them grace, compassion, love, to exercise influence if I think they need some influence, but to give them grace if they reject it, to give them grace if they don't meet my expectations, to communicate my expectations, and then show grace if they aren't met, to give people grace. Matthew 7, 2 says, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Listen, I am going to make some very dumb decisions. This is a fact. I am going to, well, I, I, honestly, I am this way, and it's so funny that I'm this way, that I get so frustrated with people that don't do what I want them to do. Because I have a mentor who's been my mentor since 12 years old, and every piece of advice he has given me, I have done the opposite. In fact, now when I call him and ask for, I've got a call with him this week, and I'll ask him for advice. And he almost always says, after you've tried your thing, try this and let me know how how it works. (laughs) Because he knows. (laughs) I'm going to say, that's great, man. That's good advice. And then I'm going to go and do what I was going to do anyways, make mistakes, and then come back and say, okay, what was the thing you said again? That other thing didn't work very well. (laughs) I've done it so many times, it's comical. And he has always shown me so much grace and compassion and love and I've had that exact conversation. Andy, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't do what you said and I failed terribly. Can you tell me what the thing was again? And he said, he laughs at John Mark. Yeah, absolutely. You got a pen? Write it down this time. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm gonna make so many mistakes. I'm gonna hurt people unintentionally. I'm gonna have behaviors that are toxic to someone else's life. I'm gonna do that because I'm broken. I'm not perfect. I'm still working on it. And what I hope is that those people that I hurt would show me grace, that the people I don't listen to would show me grace, that the people that, that I've been a burden to would show me grace so that I could make it right, so that I could get better, so that in relationship we could get stronger. We gotta show people grace. I know relationships can cause us stress for so many reasons, but if we can set proper boundaries, if we can learn that it's not our job to control people, if we could show people a lot more grace, I think we get a lot of the stress out of our lives. If you're in here this morning and people have always been stressful for you and, and maybe it's because you've always put too much pressure on them. Maybe every relationship you've ever had in your life, you've had, you've had them there to try and fill both gaps in your heart. Not just the gap that exists for people, but also the gap that exists for God. Now, maybe you've never had a relationship with your creator. And so you're just always trying to fill all of the emptiness in your heart with people. And as a result, people let you down. The relationships crack under the tension and under the pressure. And your stress just compiles and compiles. And then you move on and find new ones until those get too stressful. I want to encourage you that there's freedom for you right here, right now, today. That if you enter into a relationship with Jesus, all your relationship stress is not going away. You will always have it, but you will have something different. 
You'll have a wholeness and a completion in your heart. You'll have the most important relational need in your life, a need to be in relationship with the one who made you will be met. And everything from there on is just a learning process. But the biggest hole will be filled. If you're in here and you've never been in a relationship with Jesus, let me invite you into that right now. That I will tell you that it's not anything you have to do any work for, that you don't have to earn, that you don't have to check off a, a list. You don't, have to do it, you don't have to do a specific set of things. All you have to do is accept a gift that was offered to you 2,000 years ago on a cross. Forgiveness. Accept it and move into relationship with him. If you're, if, if you're ready to make that decision, every head bowed, every eye closed, let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for wanting relationship with me. Despite all, all the things that I have done to not deserve you, I thank you for always showing me grace, for desiring me anyways, for loving me anyways, for giving me a way forward. I thank you for the cross and that because of Jesus and his sacrifice that I could be in relationship with you. So forgive me of my sins and make me whole. Come into my life today. I commit everything that I am to you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen.